Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Reflections Podcast for First Baptist Church of Washington, Michigan. We're grateful that you've taken the time to listen to our conversation. And as always, we want to start by reminding you that our conversation is meant to be listened to in the context of Pastor David's lesson from this morning, and that was on Jonah chapter 2, Glorifying God in Second Chances. Grateful to have David Payton with me here this week. How are you, David? Very good. Thanks, brother. Enjoying this uh, beautiful first snowfall of the season. It is very pretty. I can't say that I I like snow just yet, but it is pretty (laughs) uh, when it's not, you know, six inches deep and sticking to everything. (laughs) Right. It'll all be gone tomorrow by noon. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Great. So we're going to we're going to tackle Jonah 2 today uh, in response to Pastor David's lesson. So if you've not listened to Pastor David, go listen to him and then come back to us and you'll get much more benefit out of what we have to say. So we're going to kick today off by reading Jonah chapter 2. So David, take it away. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Good uh, good message this morning from Pastor David, good text here in Jonah chapter 2. Uh, Pastor David did Jonah 1 a couple weeks ago, uh, did Jonah 2 here, and then I guess, Lord willing, we'll hear Jonah 3 next time from Pastor David. Um, but David, anything that stuck out to you from Pastor David's lesson today? I would say just a, a wonderful, helpful reminder about the the life of Jonah, the ministry of Jonah, God's heart for the nations, um, and the the dual message that God has to both unbelieving nations as well as wayward saints um that for me was a refreshing reminder um a necessary reminder and just wonderful to see how the whole of the old testament um as we well know um, is a unified story that points to jesus um and it's a unified story that has a unified message Um, and one of those grand messages is that God has a heart for the nations, uh, the Gentiles to come in. Um, And you see this even 
in uh, the story of Jonah. Yeah, I, I going along the similar theme of how this plays into kind of our biblical theology, our, our storyline of scripture. I think this is um, kind of in a, a very small way, a picture of the general pattern we see throughout God's word of um, people sin, people exist in sin. God shows mercy. And then there's an expected response from that mercy. And Pastor David called on us to respond to the mercy of God by embracing God's will. I think that was the language he mm. used of being obedient to the commands of God in response to the redemption that we see from God. And so I think even back to the nation of Israel, God redeems them from slavery in Egypt. And in that revelation of himself through his mercy, he then gives them the law and part of the expectation is in response to that mercy, there would be obedience. And we sort of see hints at it even here in Jonah at uh, verse 9. What I have vowed, I will pay. There's an element where Jonah is responding to God's mercy by a commitment to do what he originally had vowed to do to God as a prophet. And um, so I do think this shows us again that regular consistent pattern of God's revelation of himself in mercy, followed by our obedience that looks back on that. Yeah, and there's a real sense in which the, the lesson that Jesus taught the man who was disabled um, at the pool of Bethesda, where the man was disabled for 30 something years, mm. um, he then, he then heals him. And he then says to him, um, now go and do not sin so that nothing worse may happen to you. Hmm. Um, and in the same way, the I think that is the story, if I'm not mistaken. Um, someone can correct me at church on Sunday. <laughs> um, so, but nonetheless, he, that is the lesson that he gives to one of those that he heals. Um, and the point is that, that uh, Jonah clearly faced the affliction of the Lord in this story. Um, and God had given him one chance. He blew it, as Pastor David said this morning. And the second chance he gave him, Jonah, uh, Jonah listened to the Lord, turned, um, and then leaned into God's will, pressed into God's will, as Pastor David said in the second point of the sermon. Um, and I think it's a it is a helpful lesson to to realize that sometimes the afflictions that come into our lives are meant to be much like a much like a spanking to a child. Mm -hmm. uh, the afflictions are meant to warn us to not sin any longer. Uh, they're meant to to push us back into the way of righteousness. Um, and so we need to pray that we will be. Uh, we will be like the psalmist who says, um, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. Let him, uh, it is a, it is a, like oil for my head. Um, and also like the, uh, in fact, that same context, he says, may we not be like a, a donkey that needs a bit and a bridle to, to keep us in check, 
you know, Jonah needed a bit and a bridle. He really needed some severe discipline from the Lord to, to get him back in line. Um, let us pray that we won't need such severe discipline in our lives. Um, a lot of that is needless. And a lot of the time, the discipline that comes into our lives is then actually just simply the consequences of choices. Um, like Jonah, the, it, it wasn't like some um, lightning bolt from heaven came down and struck Jonah on the, on the right ear. Um, he chose to go on a ship, and that ship landed up getting caught up in a storm that the Lord threw upon the sea. Um, but it was in large measure self, uh, it was, he brought it upon himself. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so the lessons here are quite striking. Um, and this story is an indication in the biblical record of how sin and chastisement actually go together. Whereas Job, um, the, the, the trials and afflictions that came upon him were, they were not specifically for any particular sin that he had committed, um, like his false counselors tried to pin on him. Um, but in this case, the affliction is clearly related to the sin. And I think that even makes the mercy of God in some ways shine even brighter mm. because like Jonah knew that he was in the situation he was in because he sinned. Mm. And I think when, when God shows mercy to us and, or, or when God chastises us and we know it's his chastisement because we know we've sinned, we know we've done wrong. We know we deserve what we've gotten. That almost, I think that's when the mercy of God becomes even more precious to us because God does not neglect to show mercy in those situations. Mm. It's not as though, like that, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing in some regards. It's not just sometimes that we, we forget and we, we slip up or we trip or something that it's, sometimes it's we know what we ought to do and we, we know what we ought to do or ought not to do and we choose to go against that anyway but yet God continues to show mercy. It's really an incredible thing. But even as you were saying, David, about the, the discipline of the Lord, it brought to mind a passage uh, from Hebrews 12, um, where the writer says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you're illegil illegitimate children and not sons. And then at the end of the paragraph, he says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. And this idea of the Lord's discipline, when we face the discipline of the Lord, it actually reveals whether or not our salvation is genuine. So if we, if we never face the discipline of the Lord, if there's never any obvious consequence to our sin, we have no reason to be confident in our salvation. Or at least we we have serious reason to be concerned. I guess I should put it that way. But then, if we recognize the discipline of the Lord, and it causes us, like Pastor David was saying, to run to Him rather than away from Him, mm. 
then that's actually a really good sign that we are genuine believers. And if discipline, the consequences of our sin, cause us to hate God, that's actually even a sign that we're not believers. And so we need to embrace this as an opportunity to showcase the genuineness of our faith in the way we respond to the discipline of the Lord. Right. Yeah. The In this, the second and third points of the sermon, it was kind of covering this ground of that the child of God seeks shelter in the God who afflicted him. Mm. And that, and we see that in, in um, Jonah chapter two. I mean, the first thing is that he calls out to the Lord. So the Lord like literally throws a storm at Jonah, but then Jonah throws himself on the Lord. Mm. Um, and that's a, I mean, that is a sign, <laughs> even though Jonah, I mean, doesn't, Jonah doesn't exactly express a great degree of remorse and repentance. And clearly that actually is the case because chapters three and four show that he was still a a grumbling prophet. Mm -hmm. Um, He was doing the will of the Lord half-heartedly. Yet nevertheless, the Lord still had mercy on him, still Mm -hmm. heard his prayer, um, even though it was so mixed with with, uh, bad motives and, and a and a, a heart that wasn't wasn't in the right place. Um, yet you've got this this wonderful example of it's almost like two layers of mercy that the Lord is wanting to demonstrate here. Um, he's got he's got on the one hand he's got this wicked uh, this wicked city of Nineveh. Um, I forget how many people were there. Does it does it say? Oh, it's at the end of chapter four. Um, Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Yeah. So the Lord is wanting to demonstrate his mercy to 120,000 people or more. Um, And, and yet at the same time, he, and and these are pagans that, that don't know their, their spiritual right hand from their left hand. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he even uses that language at mm. some point. And so they need the kind of mercy that, that the, in our context, we would think of those kind of people as those that have never had the gospel at all. Um, they've, never, they've never even heard of Jehovah, perhaps only in uh, stories about the, the uh, rescue from Egypt. Um, and, Yet the Lord wants to demonstrate his kindness and his mercy to them in forgiving them their sin and welcoming them into the community of faith. But then at the same time, you've got Jonah, who's kind of like the brother in the parable of the of the sons, uh, the parable of the lost son. So you've got the, the older brother who is he. He's like, oh Lord, I've uh, you know I've followed your your way, oh, Father. I've fo- followed your way my whole life. I've never done anything, you know. He's representing the Jewish elites that that are that have always followed the commandments of the Lord, um, and he, they don't want to have any of these unclean pagans coming in. And that was the point of that parable: is to demonstrate how God rejoices over the the forgiveness of. Uh, the forgiveness and the mercy towards uh, great sinners. And that's precisely the whole lesson of Jonah. Um, so the Lord's showing those two layers of mercy. First to demonstrating, hey, I want to reach Nineveh. 
But then Jonah, I'm going to have mercy on you. You being the hypocrite, you being the, you being the self-righteous one that doesn't want these people to come into the kingdom. Um, but I'm going to show mercy to both layers and both types of sinners. Um, and I can see myself in both of those categories. Um, and I'm thankful for what we read of God's character in this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's actually, that's a great segue. Um, what I kind of wanted to do to kind of get us through the back half of our episode today, um, to ask a couple of questions regarding this passage and what it reveals to us. So the overarching, um, the overarching purpose and intent of the Bible is to reveal God. So this particular passage plays a function within that overarching purpose of revealing God. But there are also, in its revelation of God, there are other, we might say, ancillary or secondary revelations that take place. Revelations about mankind, revelations about the gospel, revelations about the way we ought to live, those sorts of things. And so I kind of want to delve down through a couple of these avenues and... Um, we'll just start right here with kind of where we left off right there. What does this account reveal about God to us? I would say that to put it in some terms that I read in a study on this um, was asked in a question. Um, and the question can be, can be read in one of two ways. The, the first way is, are you okay with God loving your enemies? question mark um, or another way to put it is aren't you glad god loves his enemies hmm. so i think that that is what we learn about god um, from a personal standpoint we can we can be glad that god loves our enemies um, but at the same time we can be glad that god loves his enemies hmm. um, and that really is the I, I would say one of the grand features of jonah um, so that's one, one aspect of what we can learn about God. I, I also appreciate verse eight, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. That there is a, there is only mercy in God. That if we choose to go a different way, we forsake our hope of mercy. Hmm. Uh, God is a unique God. God is not like other little G gods. Um, he shows mercy in ways that no one, no other deity does. I, I, I had to do a study through Islam, just a little, just kind of a brief, small study when I was in college. And one of the things I discovered is that there is absolutely no assurance of salvation. Mm. you could be the best Muslim possible. You could obey all the commands. You could follow their paths of living. Like you could do it all perfectly and then have the horrible misfortune of dying on a day when Allah is in a bad mood mm. and Allah could still sentence you to eternal hell simply because he was in a bad mood and he's perfectly within his rights, quote unquote, to do that. Mm. The only way that you could possibly have any assurance of salvation is if you die in jihad. That's the only way. Mm. And so 
just thinking even about Christianity, we have God's word and that idea of steadfast love, that is God's faithfulness, that God has promised that he will forgive sin when it is, when it is repented of through, repented of and believe, you know, Christ is sought for salvation. When that happens, God forgives sin. And that is a promise that we can trust in God's word. And so this account, one of the things I think this account reveals about God is the fact that we can trust God's mercy. Because even Jonah, when, when Jonah's a chump, and we know from the rest of the story that Jonah's just going to sin again, God still shows mercy to Jonah, not in a in a way where God is bound, but I do, I do think this is a genuine repentance from Jonah that doesn't ever actually take fruit. I think this is legitimate praise for God's mercy. Jonah's not mm. just putting on, putting on airs here, mm. but this is, uh, this really does show that God is a faithful God to forgive sin um, in, in that way. Yeah. And I think the, w- one of the things that, that is highlighted by Jonah in this prayer as well is that, he, the first thing is he calls out to the Lord, his God, hmm. capital L-O-R-D. Um, and, and that's referencing a covenant keeping God who, hmm. who cuts a covenant, who makes a covenant uh, unilaterally, meaning one-sided with, with uh, Abraham. And that, that, that's what Jonah will be referencing in his mind. He'll be remembering God's promises to the nations, his covenant keeping uh, to all, to all time. Um, You know, he'll be remembering the name of the Lord, like the Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, um, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So he's, he's making his prayer to, to the God of um, the God of the old Testament that he knew um from from his upbringing and then he also references there the um verse four yet i shall again look upon your holy temple so why does he make reference to that well clearly because the temple in in that era was a physical representation of god's covenant love to his people Mm. um it was a it was a physical representation of the sacrificial system, uh, the the way of atonement. So Jonah's saying, I'm going to get back. Like he's, he's confident that he shall again look upon your holy temple. So he's saying, Lord, I, I know that I'll look upon that. I'll see the tokens of your mercy. Um, and he's, that's where his, that's where his anchor is. I mean, mind the pun, mm-hmm. you know, his anchor is there. Um, and it's for that reason that this is such a different prayer than what a, a Muslim could pray mm-hmm. from the belly of a fish. Amen. We've talked about what this account reveals about God. What does this account reveal about mankind? What does it show about us? How do, how do we understand better who we are through this passage? Well, um, I think the, the very first thing to say is that we all have aspects of Jonah in us. Um, Jonah's representative of, of, first of all, he was a prophet. Um, and so he was uniquely positioned to be the mouthpiece that 
God appointed for delivering certain messages to his people. Um, but at the same time, you know, like it says at the end of um, the end of James, it says that Elijah was a man of like passions to us. And in the same way, we know that, you know, we are all born in Adam. Um, and those of us who are born again in Christ, we, we still carry around with us this body of death. So, so what it reveals to us is that what Jonah demonstrated here was a combination of the grace of God in his life, but at the same time, his own flesh. Mm -hmm. um, and let me put it kind of controversially, and that's okay. <laughs> it wasn't, it's not okay that he, he failed to really like, let's say, fully press into the will of God. It's not okay that he did that. But what, what I mean by that is it's okay in the sense that it reveals that God is using this to showcase his long suffering and his patience. Um, this is reality. It's okay in the sense that this is reality. Um, this is what we're going to deal with in this world. But let's use the example of Jonah to not be like Jonah. Um, I've personally felt like I've been through a Jonah experience in my own life um, through an affliction that I went through some years ago. And it's, it's not easy to have to realize that. But when the Lord brings affliction into our lives, it can then be helpful to say, is the Lord trying to give me a Jonah lesson at this point in time? Um, and so for me, that those two things, I think, first is realize that we are all of like passions, as James describes to men like Jonah. Um, the second is to realize that um, that this is the the common experience of mankind, but let's learn lessons from this and seek by God's grace to be, uh, to go further than Jonah did. Mm. I would, I would add my piece to kind of that first point where we're a lot like Jonah. Uh, we, we never reach a point where we don't need God's mercy anymore. Mm. Um, specifically mercy in the sense of God, not, crushing us for our sins mm. uh if you think about a guy like jonah there's evidence uh i believe it's in second kings that jonah was a was a prophet of israel that this was not his first prophetic message uh that he had functioned as a as a prophet i believe it's to jeroboam the second yeah uh kind of in the high point of the northern kingdom of Israel's prosperity. Um, he had functioned as a prophet, which means that he had received word from the Lord at other points. So if you think about somebody who would be inclined towards being a good person and being obedient, it would be somebody who is hearing the word of the Lord, someone who is receiving these messages from God to convey to the nation. You would think that that person would kind of have their life together a little bit more than Jonah does. But yet Jonah, upon hearing a message that he doesn't want, he rejects it and flees and ends up, you know, free floating in the ocean <laughs> and needs a giant fish to come swallow him. Um, you, you would think that wouldn't be Jonah's story, but it is. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we forget that those of us who have been saved for a long period of time, 
those of us who have grown up in church, those of us who have been exposed to a lot of Christian teaching from a very early age and never did, you know, we, we don't have the quote unquote exciting testimonies of being in the deep depths of human depravity. And then we're radically transformed. We're, I mean, we made a profession of faith at a very young age and grew up very, you know, grew up in, in Christianity, so to speak. Um, I think it's easy for us to forget that we need God's mercies. And I'm reminded a lot of the verse in, uh, in Lamentations that comes just before, I think it's just before the verse that says, great is thy faithfulness. Um, it's, it is of the Lord's mercies mm. that we are not consumed. Mm. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I believe that's how, how the passage actually goes. Mm. Um, we, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, that we are not destroyed in the midst of our sins. And so we, what does this passage, I think, reveal about us? We're never going to reach a point where we are spiritual enough to be confident that we don't need God's mercy anymore. Mm. Um, we need God's mercy every day. Amen. I want to ask one question, which, and we can maybe close on this, is okay. what does it reveal about the Lord Jesus? Jesus did reference Jonah in his ministry. Mm. He said um, that as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of, uh, in, in the earth for three days and three nights. Um, but one greater than Jonah is here. Um, so Kyle, what is that? What is this? What does the story of Jonah reveal about Jesus to us? Well, what also helps is what he continues to say. He says, the people of Nineveh are going to rise up at the judgment and condemn this generation. And so I think you have, so you have Jonah. He spends three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And then when he comes out of the fish, he goes to a pagan nation and preaches a message of God's judgment is coming, but if there's repentance, there's salvation. That's not a whole lot different than Jesus's message. Um, Jesus spends three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, and then he comes out, and when he comes out, he preaches a message of repentance. That's the basic message of the gospel. And even before he goes into the earth, Jesus is preaching a message of the gospel, uh, a message of repentance from sin and trust in God. You know, that is the message. And um, you have a prophet like Jonah that we've already kind of talked about. He's this reluctant, grumbling prophet who's kind of a chump. And he goes to Nineveh and he preaches to these pagans. And his message is all of like eight words. Mm. And it's like, he does the, it seems like he does the bare minimum. And, and that's, I mean, that's coming in chapters three and four. And there's this citywide repentance. And then Jesus, who is leagues better than Jonah, comes to his own people, the Jews, and preaches. And the religious leadership are like, what sign do you do? And you right. cast out demons by the power of the prince of demons. And they, they reject him. Mm. Jesus says, Ninevites repented at the preaching of Jonah, who's not a really great prophet. I am the very revelation of God. I am the word. And you won't repent at my preaching. 
Someone greater than Jonah is here for you. And if you're not willing to listen to the example of the Ninevites, then you're not going to listen to my my preaching. And so I think that the, what Jesus is trying to do is draw some parallels between himself and Jonah and say, if God can, if, if God can pr- produce repentance in people's hearts through the questionably sincere preaching of a chump prophet who spends three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, then God is absolutely capable of working repentance in people who hear the preaching of one greater than Jonah who spends three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Yeah. And so if you reject the message of salvation that comes, you are worse than the Ninevites, Mm. which is a pretty strident, Mm. pretty, pretty strong idea. Um, and the yeah, that's... And the the prophet spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish for his own sin. Right. The great prophet spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth for our sin. Amen. So I mean, it's like there's just no comparison. Yeah. yeah. Get. Uh, I think about uh, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews two. That we have this incredible revelation in Christ. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So let's, uh, as Pastor David uh, encouraged us to do today, let's recognize the mercy of God. Let's embrace the will of God and be obedient. And then let's pursue glorifying God's name in our own, in our own lives. Amen. Well, thank you to our listeners for listening to our conversation today. Thank you, David, for taking the time out of your busy Sunday afternoon and having this conversation with me. And uh, we'd like to close off by reminding you that you can find sermons, more episodes of the podcast, and devotionals on our blog at fbcwm.org. And Lord willing, we'll be back next week with another episode.